This podcast is brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. Hello and welcome to NHS Careers Untapped. The NHS is one of the largest employers in the world, but most people when they think of a job in the NHS think of doctors and nurses. However, the NHS is so much more. There's a huge variety of jobs you can do, suiting all interests and personalities. In this podcast, we will be talking to people working in the NHS, in jobs you might never have heard of before, finding out exactly what they do, how they came to be working in that job, and what they love most about it. I'm joined in this episode by Mark, and you are a clinical psychologist, is that right? I'm clinical associate psychologist, yeah. Associate psychologist, okay. So tell me a little bit about your job and what it involves. So I work in a community mental health team. So it's in an office within the community. It's not a hospital. We do have kind of clinic spaces here. I work with patients and clients. So we get referrals to the service that I'm working from GPs or community services, outside agencies. And so we look through those referrals, think about how best to support them. So who might be best to kind of see them if it is psychology or if it's one of my other colleagues. Working as part of a multidisciplinary team of psychiatrists, nurses, occupational therapists, peer workers, voluntary sector workers, and we get patients allocated to us. And I guess you're doing assessments with them, so meeting them, hearing about things that they might be struggling with. So I guess there's the assessment part. So everyone in the service does assessments, but then the thing that's specific to the clinical associate psychologist role would be the therapy and kind of psychological interventions side of things. So seeing people for six to 12 weeks over a period of time to do a kind of focused piece of work based on whatever it is that they're struggling with. Fantastic. How long have you done this for? So I've been a clinical associate psychologist. So I started the training in January, 2021, but I've been working in mental health since I graduated from university. So almost 10 years now. Okay, brilliant. What's the difference between like an associate psychologist and a psychologist? Is there like a difference or is it just the terminology that you use? So definitely not a stupid question. So I think that a while ago, so way back when, there used to be very specific roots into psychology. They're trying to broaden access to psychological therapies, I guess, across the NHS as part of the NHS long-term plan. And I guess what it's trying to do is bridge the gap between an assistant psychologist and a clinical psychologist. So the clinical psychologist is the doctorate level training, which is three years, and that's also funded through NHS England. But there's quite a jump between an assistant psychologist and a clinical psychologist in terms of responsibilities, pay bands, and all of that. And that's where the clinical associate psychologist role has come in. So it's a master's level training. So it's a one year, one year teaching, but it's an 18 month course overall. It's quite new. So I was in the first cohort of the professional training in London. It's an exciting time, I guess, to be part of the profession. There's yeah, lots of developments, which will be really exciting. Right. Okay. So it's basically the training slightly different, which means that your roles and responsibilities are slightly different. But because it's such a new job, actually, you're kind of still defining what your role is. 
Yes. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely lots of overlaps. And I think more so between the clinical associate role and the clinical psychologist role. Assistant psychologist roles can vary a lot within services. Sometimes those roles can be clinically based, patient focused. Sometimes they can be really administrative and assisting services and kind of data collection things. So I think the clinical associate role is, is a lot more about supporting services with, with seeing clients, kind of people accessing therapy and psychological interventions. And yeah, and the training is just the one year teaching and then six months before you have an endpoint assessment, whereas the clinical doctorate is three years. Right. Okay. Can you talk to me a little bit more about your training pathway? So the kind of final endpoint was that one year course to become a clinical associate psychologist, but what was your kind of training and your career pathway before that? So when I first started psychology, I did that at A-level in my sixth form. So that was the kind of the two years at A-level. Then I did an undergraduate degree at Southampton Solent University. And then after that, I got straight into work because I knew that the masters then became quite specific. It was psychology in something. And I'd only obviously done the, the teaching at uni and sixth form. So I didn't really know where I wanted to go with psychology. So I just went straight into a mental health hospital and just started from there. And I've had lots of roles and responsibilities from there and started to find out things that I kind of really liked about the role or where I would want to kind of see myself going. I think that was also what was really helpful with the clinical associate psychologist role. Again, the master's is in clinical associate psychology, so it still allows you to be quite broad and isn't specific to like one therapy model or, or one specific service, because I guess within the community mental health, it's such a broad thing. There's so many presentations and, and difficulties that people are experiencing. Whereas sometimes you can find yourself, if you know what you like beforehand, that's really helpful because then you can tailor what your masters would be, or you would kind of know where you were going. Whereas mine was just kind of the undergraduate stuff. And then before I did my masters, yeah, I really want to get that experience. And I think now that I feel a lot more comfortable with knowing the types of things or where I'd want to end up, but it's still working in a really broad area. Yeah, definitely. I can see the appeal of that. With the master's, so it's it's a master's to become an associate psychologist. Does that mean that you have to have done an undergraduate degree first? Yes. Yeah. So with the clinical associate master's, again, they were trying to widen access to the psychological profession. So it didn't really matter kind of experience wise, all that you've needed is an undergraduate degree in psychology that's accredited by the British Psychological Society, which the majority I would be surprised if any university would be doing a, a psychology degree that wasn't accredited by the BPS. So just making sure that if people, if this is something that people would be interested in, definitely making sure that the undergraduate degree that people do, that it is accredited by the BPS, because that was the only real requirement for the role. Okay. And then when you're doing your master's, is it a year of just solely further study or are you able to work and learn on the job and earn a salary while you do the master's or is it purely studying like an undergraduate degree? Great question. Yeah, no, so it's, it's a mixture of both. So it is a master's, but it's also an apprenticeship as well. So it's two days a week teaching from UCL and I believe other universities will be following suit. So it will be two days at university and then three days on placement. So working within a clinical setting seeing patients, working alongside teams. So you are working on the job, 
it's funded by Health Education England and you are also paid a salary whilst you're working. So it's, it, again, it's kind of increasing the access to, to people being able to get into professional psychology. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's really important. Moving on to a slightly different area now, what does a typical day look like for you? What does a typical day look like? I think that's one of the things that I really enjoy about the role and about working in mental health or working with people in general, really, that there is no typical day. It's different all the time, which is great because then there's lots of new experiences and kind of new challenges that you come across. But there's lots of things that we do within the role or within the service here. One day I might be on kind of triage, which is spending a day looking at all the referrals that come into the service and thinking about actually, is our service the right? place to support this person is there somewhere else that's needed will it be therapy that they might be after will it be that they need to see a nurse to do a holistic assessment is it kind of something to do with diagnosis or medication that our psychiatrist might need to do i might be doing some assessments myself i might have a day where i've booked in a few assessments which is meeting people providing that safe space where people to kind of open up about things that they're struggling with and then thinking together with them about what might be helpful, what they might want support with and what that support might look like. There's lots of kind of meetings and things that we go to. So as part of the multidisciplinary team, depending on what team you're in. So I'm across two teams. So I have two MDT meetings a week with the different teams that I'm in. And that's a space where you kind of all come together and discuss any recent cases that have come through. If anyone's struggling or wanted to ask questions about things. It's where everyone can come together and really think about a client and think about their needs. One thing that's been really nice as part of the role, as part of the NHS long-term plan, kind of moving towards community-based support, is we might be going out to GP surgeries, we might be going out to third sector charities and kind of building relationships with people within the local borough. I was thinking making the communication better between services can be really helpful because we're all here kind of commissioned, doing the same thing, supporting people. So linking in with those services can be really helpful. Every day is completely different and there's new challenges and experiences. Yeah, absolutely. What is it that you like the most about your job? What do I like most about the job? Again, I think I'm in a really lucky position. I really do enjoy my job. Like my service here, the people I work with, colleagues are really supportive and it's a really nice working environment. I think for me, being within the field of psychology and and mental health, I think I take it as a privilege when I meet clients for the first time and are able to do any work or have any contact with clients. Being able to provide that space where someone feels comfortable to kind of open up and tell their story and allowing you to be part of their journey through their kind of mental health experiences to me is one of the things that I treasure and really enjoy about the role. Knowing how difficult it is sometimes to talk about how we're struggling with things, especially in this day and age with kind of social media and, and all of this pressure that's around to kind of have to play everything's okay. I know that reaching out for support can be really difficult and a real challenge. So I think for me, the thing that I really enjoy is meeting people and yeah, allowing them to tell their story. And is there anything that you find challenging or that you like less about the role? Anything that's challenging. I mean, working within kind of the systems that we do sometimes can be, can be challenging, but I mean, specifically towards the role, 
I think one thing that I found quite difficult is I was an assistant before being a clinical associate psychologist. I guess one of the things that was challenging is that it, it was a new role. So it would be, again, being the first one to kind of go through the training and the first clinical associate psychologists within the services that I've worked in, that was quite challenging because it felt like there was no kind of structure in front of us. Like it, it felt I was walking on a path that was being made in front of us. But again, even thinking about that as being a challenge, it was then quite helpful. We were able to kind of steer the ship in a way, kind of thinking about what did we want the role to look like. There were some guidelines of, of doing brief interventions and kind of being clinically focused and working with patients and clients. But yeah, so it was a bit of a challenge kind of coming into services and people being like, so what is your role? What can you do? And in assistant roles that I've been in before, there'd been many people in those roles. So people, there were expectations of what the role was going to look like. So there's lots of uncertainty at the beginning which can be really difficult to sit with, but I definitely felt like I've kind of embraced that a bit. And it's been really empowering to then think about, actually, I think this has been helpful in my experience. This is something that I think would be really beneficial for the service. So being able to have those discussions has been a challenge, but it's been a really kind of good one. And one that I feel like I've been able to grow and I've learned a lot from about the systems that we're working about the NHS and about the services. Yeah, so you've been able to turn that challenge into something really positive for you and, and your learning and what you can what you can provide. Definitely, yeah. What personal qualities or skills do you think are important for your role? Qualities and skills I think that are needed is definitely number one is, is having compassion, being able to kind of hold compassion for people. There can be lots of difficult experiences and kind of stories and journeys that people have been on. I think holding compassion for, for everyone and knowing that there's going to be different experiences that people have been through that will be different from our own. So I think the, the main thing with any, I guess, with any profession within the NHS is to have compassion with any kind of caring role. I think communication is definitely really helpful. So being able to communicate with colleagues, with clients that we work with, with people outside of services it's really important to have good communication skills and to really think about communication. That's one thing that being in mental health and yeah, I guess the NHS in general is just knowing that communication is a lot more complex than I think we give it credit for. So yeah, really thinking about those communication skills of what do I want to say to them, how we're going to kind of say that is really important. Within psychology in general, just being curious, kind of having that kind of curious stance when we do meet someone. That again, thinking about their experiences being different from ours, asking certain questions we might think in our heads, or we might kind of jump to certain conclusions, or we might think that we really understand something, but many times asking certain questions opens someone up in a different way. We might then see an experience from a really different angle, which can be really helpful. So I think being curious and also patience, knowing that these things kind of take time, that when people do come to services, obviously they might've been through some really difficult experiences. So it's going to take time for people to feel comfortable to open up and talk about really difficult things. So I think having patience is really important as well. Yeah, absolutely. They all sound like really important qualities. Is there anything that you wish other people knew about your job or any kind of common misconceptions that you think people have about your job that you'd like to put right? What a great question. I guess about psychology and therapy in general, 
I, one, definitely think that therapy, it takes a lot more work and effort than people can sometimes give it credit for. That people think, oh, someone might be struggling, so someone definitely needs therapy or definitely needs psychological input if people are struggling. But I think that, that it's important to know, and one thing that I've really learned kind of being in the role, um, I know that sometimes this can be taken, it can be difficult to hear sometimes, but there's a right time for therapy and for psychological intervention is that if someone's really kind of struggling with certain things and there's lots of things going on in their personal lives that might be really distressing if people are struggling with housing work or, or if, uh, emotions or the feeling overwhelmed all the time there's lots of things and lots of factors that need to be in place before people think about psychology but that stability in general kind of day-to-day -day life can sometimes be there because therapy yeah, is really difficult it's not just going to somebody and talking it's sometimes thinking about really difficult experiences learning new coping skills and i think learning new skills in general does take time so i think knowing that sometimes that so yeah, there's a right time for therapy that needs to be really thought about. Because I know that when I first started, I thought, well, yeah, everyone like therapy, of course, that is the right times always now, like anyone can get engaged in psychology and therapy, but actually knowing that yeah, there needs to be that level of stability in their first. And there's so many other professions and colleagues that I work with that can provide support beforehand before psychology. So there's nurses, there's occupational therapists, there's employment specialists that we work with that can help people to have that stability and psychiatrists and pharmacists provide the kind of medication that might be helpful. And then thinking about when someone's then really ready to kind of take a look at their experiences and kind of sit with things that might be really difficult. That's when the kind of therapy is then. So yeah, so I guess knowing that there is a right, a right time to engage in therapy. Right. Okay. So again, just really emphasizing that actually it's all about the kind of multidisciplinary team in, in your setting and like everyone working together to provide the best care for a patient and one individual or one profession can't provide the solution on their own. It has to be a team effort. Absolutely, yeah. Finally, do you have any advice for students or young people who might be thinking about a career in psychology or specifically as a clinical associate psychologist? Definitely, yeah, definitely I've got lots, but I think one of the things that I kind of wish that I'd known when I was young, kind of, kind of doing my A-levels and thinking about careers is that it's a journey getting into psychology. It can take a while. There might be certain places where you want to get to. For example, I remember when I was at uni and also A-levels, in my head, I think I saw the journey as I would get an assistant psychologist role and then I would go on to do the clinical psychology doctorate. I think that's just kind of what I had in my head. Whereas actually there's lots of routes into psychology. You don't have to be a psychologist to work within the professional psychology. There's lots of therapist routes and there's so many courses and trainings and things that are out there. If there's a specific model of therapy that you like, you can become a CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy. You can become a CBT therapist or if you like, there's DBT, which is dialectical behavioral therapy, there's compassion focused therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and there's lots of trainings and routes to become therapists specifically in those models. So if there's already something that you have in your mind that you think, actually, that's a really nice model. I really like this type of working. You don't have to worry about the getting onto the doctorate to have a career in this field. 
there's lots of other routes. And I guess that's something else that the clinical associate role is aiming to provide. It's just another way of getting into professional psychology. This role is more kind of what we call transdiagnostic, which is working with a, a range of models and a range of presentations. So thinking about anxiety, depression, kind of trauma-based things. So there's not one specific presentation that I work with. It's, it's over lots. Whereas that if there is a set presentation that you think, oh, I really want to work with people who are struggling with anxiety, or I really want to work with someone who's struggling with difficulties in their relationships. There's then certain routes that you can kind of go down. So really having a think and doing research, because there are, again, can't stress this enough, lots of other routes into the field that I was so unaware of when I was doing my A-levels. And I was thinking if I'd have known beforehand, I might have then thought about other pathways onto certain courses, into certain further educational courses that might have been helpful. So I guess it's all about what your interests would be and just yeah, enjoying the journey. It's definitely something that I think should be held in mind when thinking about a, a career in psychology. And things are always changing. The clinical associate role wasn't around when I was at university. So they're always thinking about ways of widening the profession. So who knows that by the time people have done their A-levels and, and undergraduate degrees, there might be other courses and things out there. There's many routes and paths into psychology. So just enjoying the time, enjoying your experience, enjoying learning. Yeah, that's really great advice. Thank you. Is there anywhere where students could go to find out more about the various courses or opportunities that might exist? Are there any resources out there? So there's the, the British Psychological Society, so the BPS. They are one of the professional bodies for getting into the field of psychology. So looking at their website, they'll hopefully kind of update with, with any new developments. They also have, like I was saying earlier about to get onto the masters for clinical associate psychologists, you need to have done an undergraduate degree that's accredited by the British Psychological Society. And on their website, they will have a complete list of all of the courses that are accredited. So if there are any new developments going on the BPS website will probably be the best bet. Also potentially then thinking about health education England as well, constantly kind of updating and changing things. So if anything does come out, that might be a good website to look for. And also outside of the psychologist role. So if people are thinking about kind of therapy roles, there's the HCPC website, which will be a good one to look at in terms of accreditation for therapy roles and HCPC is that health and care professionals council. So if people are thinking I'd be more interested in the therapy route rather than the psychology route, looking on the HCPC website, there'll be lots of courses or the, the courses that they accredit and then get into kind of therapy practice that way. So yeah, I would say the BPS, Health Education England on the HCPC website. Thank you. It's really helpful. So yeah, thank you so much for talking to me today and for telling me all about your job. It's been really fascinating to hear all about it. Thank you so much for having me and yeah, and for allowing the Clinical Associate Psychologists platform that is on this podcast. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to NHS Careers Untapped. To find out more about different career opportunities within the NHS, please check out our other podcasts available for streaming or download on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud and YouTube. You can also find out about other events happening as part of the Careers Untapped project by registering on the Great Ormond Street Digital Education Network at the link provided in the episode description 
and searching NHS Careers Untapped. You can also find links to a couple of other great websites to check out, including healthcarecareers.nhs.uk and skillsforhealth.org.uk. This podcast was brought to you by the Gosh Learning Academy. If you want to find out more about our work, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.